At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode of When in Romance is sponsored by W by Wattpad Books. Out to prove that she can succeed in a man's world, Savannah, Savvy Jenkins, thinks she knows what to expect when she joins the pit crew of the reigning world champion racer, Dante Annunziata. But Dante is determined to win and sees Savvy as nothing but a distraction and wants her out. However, when a paparazzo catches the two in a compromising position, Dante and Savvy agree to a fomance for the ages. Their fake attraction turns real. They realize that there may be more to life than simply speeding through it. Fans of sports-themed romances will love this book set in the Formula One racing world. Publishers Weekly says fans of cocky heroes, angst, passion, and enemies-to-lovers tropes will find much to enjoy. This book that is Drive by Tamara Lush, is published by W by Wattpad Books. Hello, hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about a whole lot of romance stuff with you today i am jess and i am trisha welcome back thank you and i am back (laughs) and we are recording on thursday april 14th and this is episode 104 if you are paying attention which we are (laughs) and always will be (laughs) even if even if the numbers are not out there uh, Jess, I'm so happy to be back. Although I listened to the last episode, it was it was an absolute delight. I'm so glad that you and Liberty finally got to record together. Me too. It was very fun, and I'm glad I got to answer some of her questions about the genre. <laughs> yes, about the genre. I um, we'll talk about this in a second because we heard from a lot of you about monster romance, but I also thought it was very charming and very relatable that Liberty was maybe a little surprised by (laughs) the level of um, physical intimacy, let's say, in the monster romance genre. I will say that's actually a thing that I didn't really know about that genre so much as either. But we did hear from some folks. So we're going to have some recommendations for you in a minute of monster romances that are a little lower, or Mm -hmm. even uh, free of of the sexual, well, the sex, frankly. (laughs) Should we jump right into that? Yeah, let's. Like you said, we heard from a lot of people who were very delighted to listen to the last episode, just like you were. And from from some people who had some thoughts about the episode before that. So it was really great to hear from folks. Like we always say, feel free to reach out with any thoughts you have, because we love them. And we have enough that as we kind of um, cycle through the ones we're about to talk about, I should tell you, I didn't pull names this time around. So apologies for anyone who had hoped to hear their name. I'm happy to read it next time. Just send us a note. But because there were so many folks, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to make assumptions. You know, sometimes we kind of know or kind of hear from somebody that it's okay. But we did pull some quotes and some some thoughts, starting with someone who had such a great time listening to the latest episode. That was the Monster Romance episode, uh, especially in the library. It was the title of episode 103. I had such a great time listening to the latest episode on Monster Romance that I had to ask for more. I'm not seeking recommendations specifically. I just want to hear more Monster romance on the show. I've never gotten much into paranormal or monster romance. I tend to stay in the Harlequin world, occasionally dipping into more popular romances like Kiss Quotient or Interception. Sorry, Intercepted. This may be the sign I need to explore a new subgenre because all the books which were mentioned sounded amazing. That's kind of how I felt too, just to be honest, is that it's not a thing that I read a ton of, but you guys made it sound very intriguing. Yes, I was very happy for the opportunity to not only talk about them, but because Lib was looking for an excuse to read a specific book, I was like, yes, let's, because there are some books that have been on my list that I want to read and haven't had the chance to. So yes, more in the future 
you're putting it out there and we're putting it out there. Let's see how this works. All right, I will read this next one too because you have better reflections since you were part of the episode. But somebody has a monster romance without sex. I wanted to recommend Legends and Lattes. Side note, that is an amazing tale. Uh, Mm -hmm. Title, Legends and Lattes, a novel of high fantasy and low stakes by Travis Baldry. This person's recommending it for Liberty because there's an ogre as well as many other fake characters. So I think it's technically a monster romance, but absolutely no sexy times. None at all. An ogress wants to open a coffee shop in a medieval-like village that has no idea what coffee or cafe is. It's basically a lot of renovating, shopping, hiring delightful people, making friends, and discovering that community is a wonderful thing. I found it completely charming and delightful. There is also a cafe dire cat. Is that am I? I'm a little I'm a little left behind on that one, Jess. If you happen to have any light to shed, please feel free. I've heard of a dire wolf, but I have not heard of a dire cat. And I'm looking forward to discovering what that actually is. Yeah, it sounds delightful, frankly. Mm -hmm. All right, somebody also found a sapphic monster romance. I'm a big fan of monster romances, though I agree that the field is far too cishat and white overall. Sapphic stories seem to be particularly hard to find, which is why I was so thrilled to discover She Came From the Swamp by Darva Green. In it... Nadasada? I Nadasada? I apologize to Darva Green for getting her character's name wrong. A young woman with dream walking abilities inherits her grandmother's house in the Florida swamp. While she tries to avoid getting sucked back into her family's sketchy cult like orbit, she also has to deal with the ancient, vengeful Kikimura who resides in the murky waters just outside her house. This book was delightful, and I really can't say enough good things about it. Apparently, a sexy, sweet, supportive swamp monster is exactly what I'm looking for. Who knew? It's exactly what I'm looking for, too. Like, I'm so glad. Thank you for telling us all about this book, because I am going to go find it. Hooray! All right, two more wrecks. I think these two actually came from Emily, who's a life lived in books, who we, who's a friend of the show. And so uh, jumping back in, monster romance without as much sex. So per the email, I just finished listening to the most recent episode, and I had two recommendations for Liberty for gory, funny monster romance with significantly less sex. I would recommend Dragon Actually by G.A. Aiken, which is about a princess her name is Anwil the Bloody, and she likes to behead her enemies in battle, it's great, who is trying to overthrow her evil, sadistic half-brother and accidentally falls in love with a dragon. I think there are two or three scenes in the book. I think that's probably two or three love scenes. But it's mostly Anwil and the dragon getting to know each other and plotting how to rid the kingdom of a tyrant ruler. I second that recommendation. I will also say, I believe, if I am not mistaken... I'm going to have to Google this while you uh, read an ad spot to make sure that I'm not mistaken. G.A. Aiken <laughs> is a um, pseudonym for Shelley Lawrenston, who we have talked about on this show as well. I think that is true. I think that is true. All right. Well, I'll double check and make sure. But I think that that... Don't worry. I'll put myself on mute. <laughs> and then I will then I will type and check it out. Um, <laughs> the other recommendation is another G.A. Aiken book called The Blacksmith Queen. And it's about Keely, who is a blacksmith, who is trying to save herself and her family again from a tyrannical ruler. It is also gratuitously violent and very funny and only one super vague sex scene. I think this is the one to give to fantasy readers because the romance does take a little bit of a backseat to the impending war and everything else going on. But I really enjoyed both of them. Also, both the dragon and the centaur and blacksmith queen can transform into human men. So I don't know if it fits into the strict definition of monster romance or probably more fantasy romance, but she's throwing them out there anyway, which, you know... People are looking for all different kinds of entry points. So I think that's great. So yeah, so those were our monster romance, Rex, Jess. Awesome. Thank you all so much for reaching out. And you all know how bad I am at actually reading things when they're recommended to me. But please know that there is every intention in my heart to get to all of these books because I have not read a single one. You know, and someone else recommend, I want to say like maybe Brandon, someone else who has has contacted us a few times, recommended The Blacksmith Queen. Mm-hmm. So that is one that we've heard a few times before. But yeah, so so those are very fun. Since people are probably now already, I was gone for an entire episode, five minutes in, people are probably tired of my voice. Jess, <laughs> do you want to read what we heard from folks who are excited about older main characters? Absolutely. So um, this first email says, I just listened to 
the podcast and would like to thank you for bringing attention to books with older main characters. As a baby boomer who just turned 70, happy belated birthday, I agreed with all of your points about the lack of representation in that demographic. And this person has written three books with main characters in their 60s. It's Marcia Filippo, and it's the Arizona series. They're self-published on Amazon, a route that she took in part because of the point you, as in Trisha and I, had made about traditional publishers not putting out books with characters in the age bracket that she writes about. So thanks so much, Marcia, for reaching out. And those of you interested in more books by or books about older main characters, check out the Arizona series. Yeah, I, we heard from, um, and you know, like, honestly, especially in these harder to reach genres, if you are a person that writes them, feel free to always write in. We heard from Brenna Bailey Davis as well, who's uh, has not published them yet, but is planning on publishing them soon. I think we cannot always talk about the books by everyone who writes into us on our show. Uh, we get many, many emails uh, talking about mm. many, many books specifically. Mm-hmm. But for a genre like this one that really, really is hard to find. You know, it's nice to be able to know a lot of it is really su- is, is self-published. So it's, it's nice to know where those are out there. Absolutely. And we had one more listener who requested Rex on older characters. I was trying to think of other romance novels I have read in the past that might fit. Last year, I read Lisa Kleipas's Devil's Daughter. And while the main characters are younger, I believe they are secondary characters with a bit of a romance story that are older. Also, if you have heard of the British, unfortunately now defunct publisher, Transita Books, they published stories that centered on older women. Linda Gillard, one of their authors, comes to mind, whose work I have read in the past. And that is a a publisher that I have never heard of. So I am definitely going to look and see if any of those books are still being published, even though the publisher is no longer in action. And I will say, I think, like I was just saying, it's so helpful to have folks who have these pockets of information and knowledge sending us these titles. I will say, just to be clear, I don't put the books that other folks recommend in our show notes because I, Jess and I have generally not read these. And so it's, we don't want to make, we, we want to make sure that we are recommending and putting in our show notes uh, books that we can stand by and we know that, you know, we can full-throatedly recommend. And a lot of these are probably really fantastic. But if you're going to read them, and you do have any kinds of things that you might want to be cognizant of, might be worth a quick Goodreads or Google search first. But huge thanks again to all of those folks for sending in those titles. Monster romance and older character romance are two surprisingly niche categories. So Mm -hmm. here we are. Absolutely. And speaking of niche categories, for those of you who both follow me on Twitter and listen to this podcast. Thank you to the people who responded to my question last week, I think. And you can always find me on Twitter about what tropes and types you might be looking for that you need some more recommendations for. We might not get get to them right away, but they're definitely going on our list our ongoing list of topics that we want to cover. So it's good to to hear from people what they might be looking for. So thank you. Indeed. All right. I'm going to tease it that after the uh, ad break, we're going to announce the next book club book. So Jess, I'm going to let you do the ad break first and people will, will be very excited to listen to that and also excited to listen for afterwards. Do, 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 do. <laughs> This episode of Linen Romance is sponsored by Bloom Books, an imprint of Sourcebooks. To commemorate the 10th anniversary of the number one New York Times bestseller, Fifty Shades of Grey, they have released a gorgeous hardcover special edition, which includes navy sprayed edges, a navy matte cover with silver foil, a silk ribbon bookmark, custom end sheets, and a new forward from author E.L. James. Fifty Shades of Grey, published 10 years ago, has been chosen as one of 100 great reads in the Great American Read, was an instant New York Times bestseller, and spent 133 weeks on the New York Times list. It sold over 165 million copies worldwide, and now you can get this hardcover special edition. Um, I'm guessing anywhere books are sold. (laughs) 
And I've I've seen it. It it is a very nice book. So if you enjoyed the book or are looking for um some extra niceness for your shelf, check out this hardcover special edition of Fifty Shades of Grey, produced by Bloom Books, an imprint of Sourcebooks. Hooray! <laughs> all right, two pieces of breaking news. First of all, I confirmed that Gia Aiken is indeed the same person as Shelley Lawrenston, who has written many shifter books that we have talked about in the past. So <laughs> that is confirmed. Hooray! Second breaking news, it's time to get ready for the Spring Book Club book. Yay! Yay! We got some requests this year to do a menage book. And we're excited to do that. We settled on an author who we have talked about, but a kind of series of books that we have not. Mm -hmm. The book that we're going to be reading is called The Beast by Katie Robert. It is a menage erotic romance. So be ready for that. If you are sort of more in the liberty camp of not necessarily always being, of needing to just be mentally prepared for a, <laughs> a lot of a lot of sex in a book. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be talking about it on June 23rd. Jess, this is a... I, have you read anything in this series? This is kind of a unique series that Katie Robert has put together. It is. I have not. I have been acquiring books in this series for years now, but um, I have not actually picked up and opened any of the books in this in this particular series. It's called the Wicked Villain series, and she just thought, "What if I wrote a dark romance based on Disney?" And she did. And that's what she did. There's like eight of these books. Yeah, there's a lot. So for those who, you know, may not have put it together based on the title, The Beast is the Beauty and the Beast entry into this particular genre. We will allow you to, to kind of click on the title in the show notes, read the description and whatnot for yourselves. But it has been out for a couple of years. Just I think you said it was available on Hoopla. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, these books are in... E-reader, they are in paperback. There is actually hardcover versions of these books. They are, I, Katie Robert, I think, is now finally starting to get her due a little bit, but she's been under the radar for a long time and mm -hmm. um, has been a very successful author. I think, you know, we're very excited to read this. We're very excited to hear what you all think. Yeah, and uh, one of the, the things that has allowed her to get her due is our next... Entry point. I don't think it's going to be a full topic of discussion, but... Kind of a check-in, right? Yeah, yeah. And that is book talk. Book talk. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of talking about this because with all the feedback that you all sent, and we want to make sure that we have enough time for Rex, but we were trying to think of something that we could kind of cover fairly quickly just as, as a little bit of a check-in. And just, you know, pointed out that the kind of evergreen topic that's out there right now is book talk, which we did talk about probably, gosh, six months ago now, six or eight months. Mm -hmm. But it's the, the landscape seems to be shifting so quickly. And I think maybe even more importantly, the way that book talk is shifting romance and romance publishing seems to be shifting a little bit as well. I feel like you've been, uh, I'm still not on, maybe, maybe that'll be... My, my new hobby here in this new city where I know no one. Um, I, I think I think you're immersed in it a little bit more than I am. Just are you seeing some of kind of the impact of how book talk, in addition to Katie Robert, our next one in romance uh, book club author, are you seeing some of the ways that book talk seems to be changing, not only the world from the book talk perspective, but as a as an author and as a librarian, as a person in the book world, what what kinds of things are you seeing? Well, there are definitely like big spikes that we see, like, at, like you said, as a librarian, I see like that last time that we talked about a book talk, I was saying, I, I noticed that there were like a hundred holds on the Song of Achilles, a book that came out a decade ago. And I was like, what is yep. happening? What mm -hmm. is happening? Um, and it was book talk. And I, you know, I'm seeing as a book shopper, my my local Barnes and Noble, which is just down the road, which I try to visit every couple of months just to make sure that I am supporting them and keeping their doors open, has really been leaning into Book Talk. They have their own account that has a lot of followers, but also they have not just a regular scene on Book Talk table, but back in the romance corner, they have a spicy talk table. And. Ooh. 
That whole table, the last time I was there, which was this week, was covered in these dark-covered, self-published or originally self-published and purchased by a publisher who is repackaging and re-editing them books by people like Katie Robert, by Scarlett St. Clair, by other people whose names I can't remember, but who have dark covers with pomegranates on them. We're se- like, the whole table looked like Fifty Shades of Grey 10 years ago. And I'm wondering what that might be, how that might be influencing the other end. Like, there was, who was it? Jen Reads Romance on Twitter posted about some upcoming romance novels that look like YA covers. And not not in the like, oh no, illustrated covers are infantilizing women. No, there are no people on these covers. They're just covers with words in scripts and maybe some little flowers or something. And that's it. (laughs) And, you know, like book talk is leading people to pick up things that they might have been afraid to because they don't want to present the outward appearance that they're reading trash. Like, me. Mm-hmm. So maybe things like the beast, which has like a mug. What are those things called? The yeah, like a beer mug, a, a pewter stein, or oh, a stein. That's what it is. Yeah, the pomegranates, or the flowers, or the swords, or everything that's on all of these dark red covers might be leading people to these books. But it's also making publishers think. If we have more of these, they will pick them up. It's so interesting, too, to see, and you know, I know we've talked about covers on this show in the past as well, but to me, it's really interesting to see almost almost kind of the cyclical nature of, of kind of how, I guess, how different media impact the way that romance is talked about and sells and really the covers. Like, it's just kind mm-hmm. of fascinating, right? I mean think one of the first reasons that we saw an explosion in romance 10, 15 years ago was that both e-readers made it sort of a more private reading experience, I guess. And so for mm-hmm. folks who weren't necessarily willing to let everyone know that they were reading, you know, a romance book on the subway or at the gym or whatever, had that option to kind of keep that to themselves in a way that you don't if you have a hard copy book. There's also self-publishing, which made a huge difference. And then I think we transitioned a little bit, at least, into the Instagram era, right? Mm-hmm. Where I think was, I think, I mean, this is just anecdata and, and hypothesizing and all of that. But it has always kind of seemed to me like the birth of Instagram or book Instagram, or I don't know what the clever bookstagram. Bookstagram. Yeah. I, I'm, as you can probably tell in this episode, resettling into a new place has meant that I've lost all of my words for at least <laughs> another two weeks. Hopefully I'll have them back by episode 105. But anyway, so bookstagram, I think was one of those things that, that had a really big impact on those illustrated covers, you know, kind of shifting away, doing something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. At least to me, that seems like it was the case. And so now it's sort of interesting to know how book talk might be having that same kind of impact, but in a little bit of a different way. Yeah, because people like people who might not have been into romance who are finding things because of the people they follow who are giving really interesting little tidbits about these books are also looking at these covers artistically. And there are those of us who have been in romance forever who are like, look at the new covers that Harlequin is producing with these beautiful people who look like real people who are doing real things who are not white and skinny. Like, look at these things that are happening while other people are like, look at the design of this book. Isn't it? So it's like, yeah, there, there are almost two camps and, and probably more than two camps if you really think about it. But publishing is going to lean into the broader audience because that's what they always do. And I think, too, it's interesting to kind of revisit at this point now that we're, gosh, four or five years into at least the beginning of this illustrated cover trend. I think it's interesting to think about how the 
people covers, <laughs> like the cover <laughs> model covers, never really fully went away. And actually, a lot of the illustrated yeah. covers are people too. But like the ones that use cover models mm-hmm. never fully – I'm thinking of um, books like Wild Rain last year that came out by Beverly Jenkins or the Cowboys of California series by Rebecca Weatherspoon, all of which used human people with no heads cut off, all of them, you know. Mm-hmm. So they are still for sure out there. So it has never been a full transition away from that, which I kind of find a little comforting, right? To know that there is still space for different kinds of, of titles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that actually says something about who is, like, this, this little last bit has said something about who is able to make those covers with brand new cover models for each thing because a lot yeah. of these books that we're talking about that have garnered a huge following are actually self-published. And if these authors aren't spending the money to have a photo shoot and have someone design their cover and not make it look awful, <laughs> yeah. then a lot of them are going to lean into the pomegranate, the beer sign mm-hmm. with yeah. interesting covers or interesting colors and interesting font instead of trying to Photoshop people. Well, and I think one of the points that you made just when we were talking about this a little bit before is that a lot of these book talk titles are print on demand, mm-hmm. right? Which makes it, um, I, do you want to explain a little bit about what that means for folks who may be less familiar? Sure. Print-on-demand is mostly people whose books are available easily in ebook format. They also want to offer people the option to to have their book in print, but it is much more expensive for a publisher or for a distributor to have lots of copies of a book if they don't know how many they're going to sell. So instead, they offer print on demand. So if you buy something from Amazon, then they'll go to Ingram, probably, who has the ability to take the files, print the book, bind it, and then send it back. And then you have that one copy. And that's the only copy that needed to be printed at that one time. Um, so any, any author who has books that are print on demand, if you, if you go on Amazon and they're mostly a Kindle Unlimited author or even just like a primary ebook self-published author and you see print on demand or that a book in print might not be available for several weeks, it's because it has to actually like be run through and printed. <laughs> yeah. And I think they tend to be a little bit more expensive, which, Makes sense, right? It's it, you don't have the scale that you would have if you're Avon or Berkeley or you know some of these larger organizations. But mm-hmm. it, it does; it just kind of adds another wrinkle to yeah. all of this evolving romance world. Yeah, and that's why so many of them are in uh, trade paperback size because I'm not sure if I've ever heard of a print-on-demand option in mass market. That's a very good point. You're you're so smart all the time. <laughs> I do what I can. All right. Well, we're interested in kind of knowing what you all are thinking. Like I said, this was just a little bit of a check-in on what's going on out there. You know, like what's happening with um, this very quickly changing landscape. It continue. We, you know, we'll we'll do more of as the world turns in romance. As you know, we get a few months down the road or six or eight months down the road again. But if you all are seeing things, whether it's at your local bookstore, like Jess was talking about, or elsewhere on Book Talk or book Instagram, or as the kids call it, bookstagram, uh, or wherever <laughs> else, let us know. Let us know what you're seeing and what you're thinking and, and what you think might be coming next. And uh, before we jump into some recommendations, please allow me to thank The Enemy by Sarah Adams and talk a little bit about it. From the author of The Cheat Sheet, Sarah Adams' newest novel, The Enemy, is a deliciously funny rom-com sizzling with chemistry and sparking with joy. A little synopsis for you. I'm going to drop into first person as if I am the audiobook narrator, so be excited. I am excited. <laughs> Enemies should never get a second chance, but this one might. It's been 12 years since I've seen him. 12 years since he won our war of wits by outsmarting me with a tactic I didn't even know was allowed. But tonight, I resurrect the battle. Ryan Henderson is back in town for our best friend's wedding, and I plan on showing him exactly how much I don't care about him or the almost kiss he ruthlessly dangled over me after graduation. A lot has changed since our feuding days. 
I'm a successful bakery owner now, and I plan to rub every delicious detail of my life in his ugly face. Just one problem. His face is gorgeous. He wasn't supposed to look like this or pursue me like a sexy guided missile. I must stay strong until the wedding is over and Ryan scurries back into whatever alternate universe he escaped from. His interest in me is nothing but a continuation of the games we played in high school, right? But the longer he stays, the more I wonder if I'm wrong and his tender smile and heated attentions are genuine. Maybe it's not a game. Ha, who am I kidding? This is Ryan we're talking about. Of course it's a game. A game called War, and this time, I plan to win. Author Sarah Adams is the author of several best-selling titles, including The Cheat Sheet, The Temporary Roomie, and The Off-Limits Rule. This book is a great fit for those who love the enemies-to-lovers romance trope. The Cheat Sheet was a book talk trending title, and for more information about Sarah Adams' The Enemy, you can visit dreamscapepublishing.com. That's dreamscapepublishing.com. All right, Jess, our recommendation segment this time around was your idea. And actually, I don't think I know where it came from. I, this year, last year, the year before, sometime in the recent distant past, I made a one in romance resolution to read more books by authors who I had not yet read. <laughs> in Which is some, nice. I like it. In some capacity. Yeah. And I, by various uh, happenstances, library holds coming in and discovery of things and realizing that I really needed to get through my Kindle Unlimited borrows, et cetera, et cetera, various things came together and I decided to read some books by people who were not familiar to me in in a writing sense. I knew their names because I had been looking at them constantly. Sure. Um, but <laughs> it was like, it's time to read something by someone whose book I have not yet read. I just read three books in, a ser- in three different series. And uh, let's try something different. So that's how I ended up landing on authors who are new to us. Yeah, which is really fun, because I actually ended up, there was one that I sort of had happened upon as you were recommending this topic, and another who had been on my list for a long time, and it gave me an excuse to start a book by that person. So hopefully, this discussion gives you all an excuse to start a book by an author that you have not heard about. Where did you start, Jess? I started with Diana Quincy. And actually, while I started with her first book, I did not actually finish her first book. I was very much enjoying her writing, but the actual plot wasn't, I wasn't in the mood for that particular kind of plot at the time. And I might go back and read it, but I didn't let that stop me from reading the second book in the series, which I had also borrowed from the library. And that was The Viscount Made Me Do It. I always want to call it a Viscount. I'm so glad you had know how to pronounce it. I can never talk about a book with Viscount in the title because I will say it wrong. Uh, but sorry, I apologize for the interruption. I just wanted you to know that even after 104 episodes, I still had not learned that. <laughs> and I had to think really hard and make sure that I said it right. Because <laughs> there's, there's knowing how it's pronounced and there's saying it the right way. Mm-hmm. So yes, The Viscount Made Me Do It by Diana Quincy. Diana Quincy is an author who I've known about for a while. I have actually checked out her first book a couple times and had to return them. This was the first time I actually started and decided that I was going to check out both the first and second book because I was really interested in the third book. So I'm still very interested in the third book because the Marquis in whatever the Marquis title is in the third book, uh, makes a brief appearance in The Viscount Made Me Do It. And this book is about a woman who is a bone setter in London in the 19th century. She learned- Wait, she's a what? She's a bone setter. Oh, okay. Like medically? Yeah, so- I mean, obviously that's the only kind, right? Yeah, okay. So the big, the big, one of the big conflicts of the story is that- Bone setters like chiropractors today aren't considered real doctors. So the medical field 
really thinks of them as hacks. But the titular Viscount goes to her using the injury that he got in war as a reason to go see her because she is wearing a piece of jewelry that his mother was wearing the night she was murdered. And he wants to know where she got it so he can maybe find out who killed his parents. So you've got... All right. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, past trauma (laughs) recovery in this book, but it is also very, very good, and it's done well. And it has a bit of mystery in it, which is one of the things that will keep you going. And also the fact that this amazing, competent woman of Arab descent is the heroine of this book, and she's very good at what she does and would rather not marry than give up her work because she believes very much in it. Um, so she's, you know, she's over the hill. She's on the shelf. She's already 26 and not married. Um, yeah. It's always 26. Yeah. Why is it always 26? <laughs> Sometimes it's 28. <laughs> um, so, of course, what happens? She fixes him and then they fall in love. But there are so many things keeping them apart. Angst, angst, angst all the way down. You want to shake people, but you're also really, really happy for them. Well, that sounds lovely. And I don't know how I have not read Diana Quincy. It like She's one of those people who had been like on my radar. And I remember when the, the first book came out and that cover, it was so good. And I just never got around to it. There are a lot of people... Even books I own, where it's just, I never got around to it. And I'm sure you have the same problem. Indeed, I do, Jess, which is a very (laughs) helpful transition. Um, I don't even think you did that on purpose. But I was thinking that as I was, I think even when I told you who my first author was, I put in parentheses, I was like, I know, I know, I know, but somehow I haven't read this person. So (laughs) I, until a few weeks ago, had never read Tessa Bailey, who is a person who within the last month has had like, one of the top selling books in the country in terms of fiction mm-hmm. with hook, line and sinker. She's a, a a very big deal. Romance author has, has really started to, I think actually also got a lot of exposure maybe on book talk, which is how mm-hmm. she started to really blow up. And I actually own several books by her, like back Same. from her kind of category romance days to fix her up, which came out a few years ago and was its own little series. So I finally was <laughs> so funny side story, I arrived here in Western Washington State about 12 days before my belongings arrived. So it was a little bit of a situation. The move was a little bumpy. But on a plus side, I had some time to do some reading. So (laughs) I also one night had accidentally left my iPad in the park. It doesn't matter. The point is, I didn't have an e-reader accessible to me, but I did happen to have a hard copy of It Happened One Summer. So I picked it up and started to read it and immediately read the whole book, I think probably within about 24 hours. I read the next one after that as well. This is a, it's a romantic comedy about, it actually takes place in Western Washington, out on the peninsula, which I am not out there, but which I think is part of the reason I was able to, to, to jump right in. It's about kind of a Hollywood party girl who goes a little too far and mm-hmm. whose stepfather essentially says you are now banished to the very small town where you were born it starts out like a little silly in that way but it turns out that there's actually a lot of depth in her trying to figure out where she is from her her mother and uh piper the one of the main characters and her sister all left this small town off grace harbor when her father died And he died at sea. He was a fisherman. So she knows nothing about it because it's been very painful for her mother to talk about. So she goes out there. She's like dressed to the nines in this tiny fishing town. This whole (laughs) thing. So she meets Brendan, who is a sea captain. And he has absolutely no patience for her nonsense. But of course, as it turns out, she is actually a lovely human being who is, I think her sister describes her as spoiled but not ruined, which Mm. I think is actually a really helpful description of someone who has had a lot handed to them but actually still has a good heart mm-hmm. it's funny it's lovely and actually the next book hook line and sinker is funny and lovely as well and i will say this about it people describe tessa bailey as having an uncanny ability to write dirty talk in a sex <laughs> scene and i've always kind of been like yeah whatever like 
People write that. It's fine. Romance can be kind of smutty, whatever. It's great. Uh, I was wrong. That is very true. It is. Uh, it is absolutely uncanny. And it is a thing for which she should win an award because <laughs> I have not read. It's uh, it's like I said, it's, it's almost you can appreciate the skill in it as you are reading it. In a, like, in a way that you kind of think like, wow, I've read a lot of sex scenes and this particular aspect of this is very impressive. So <laughs> I am delighted to have been introduced finally. I know most of you have probably read all of these books, but finally I have been introduced to Tessa Bailey and I am delighted about it. So pick up It Happened One Summer. You can read a little bit about uh, My New Home, Western Washington State. And I'm glad to get that recommendation because I have read Tessa Bailey before, but I have not yet read those two books and someone oh, today who's who's reading reading recommendations I trust heavily sent me very many exclamation points about hook line and sinker so I guess I know what I'm doing next week is is all I'm saying yeah they're great they're great like summer reading like they'd be great on a plane or on a beach or on a road trip or you know they're those kinds of books nice very nice well as I mentioned, one of the things that I really need to work on is actually reading the books that I have checked out from Kindle Unlimited, because at some point in the past, I signed up for like two and a half years of Kindle Unlimited because it was on extreme discount. So sometimes I just take advantage of the fact that I have it and don't read anything from it for a month or two at a time. And I knew that a, I wanted to do better, and B, I had a lot of really good books hanging out on there just waiting for me to pick yeah. them up. And one of them was a book that was recommended either by someone on our Book Riot Slack or someone who sent in a note, and that was A Love Him Free by E.M. Lindsay, who has written a lot of stuff. <laughs> so I am I am both looking forward to and sort of dreading reading more of their work because there just seem there seem to be arms and legs and heads and tentacles not actual but like there are so many other couples referenced in this book that I have no idea if they actually have books or not like I can't mm -hmm. find them but I know they're they're interesting and I want to know who they are. But anyway, back to Love Him Free. Love Him Free is the first book in uh, a series and it's set in a small town, the name of which I cannot remember. It's probably something adorable. It's It probably is. It's a mountain town. It's lovely. Got lovely vistas. Probably in Colorado. Um <laughs> And so our main character is Simon, and he is a very observant Jewish man who has returned to the town he lived in for most of his young life after he was uprooted from his home birthplace of Israel with his mother after his father was killed and his grandmother. So he inherited his grandmother's Jewish bakery and moves back to this town to both take care of the bakery and his much younger brother. And now he's kind of this very socially awkward, socially anxious person who doesn't really talk to anybody. He doesn't think anybody likes him. And he runs a business that he doesn't particularly love, but feels like he has to, he has to. And he observes a religion that he believes strongly in, but for some of the wrong reasons. But one of the things that happens when you are, when you live in a very solid, solitary way is that, um, you, you watch porn and, he is really into this deaf porn star. <laughs> so then we meet the deaf porn star, Rocco, who has just gotten out of a, a, rela a very long-term relationship in a very public way. And Simon sends him a video in ASL, just as a, like, I hope everything's okay kind of thing. And they start talking on, like, in DMs on Twitter. And uh, Rocco needs a change in his life. There's so much going on and he just needs to get away for a little bit. So he decides to drive to this small town and 
visit Simon. Aww. And, you know, there is no intention of, like, seduction or a relationship or anything. It's just like, this is a really nice guy. I like the way he looks, but, like, I'm not going to try to, like, get him to do anything just because I'm a porn star. But I need a friend, and he seems like a good guy to have as a friend. And then the story goes from there, and there's a lot of angst and drama that is couched in such a lovely, like, story of self-discovery on both sides that you're not, like, angsted by the angst because you're just, like, your heart's being, like, filled with these people who just need a hug and therapy and maybe a hug from a therapist. Well, possibly all of the above. Uh-huh. Also, the small town is, like, full of queer people. So it's, like, a queer utopia in the mountains of Colorado. Yay! <laughs> well, that sounds lovely. Uh, speaking of uh, books that sound and are lovely, <laughs> I will say my next book um, is one that I am only about a third of the way through. I've been reading it fairly slowly, and I'll get to that in a second. But it's I'm So Not Over You by Kasoko Jackson. Uh, it's... A, who, you, who you may know because you have read his books, or you may know because he is part of a future award-winning um, anthology <laughs> called Black Love Matters. Uh, <laughs> but I had had Kasoko on my um, radar for a while, and this book came out, I think, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had had the book for a while. I, I think I had pre-ordered it, so it hit my, my e-reader in February. And it is just a really delightful book about... A, it's a second chance romance. So it's it's Kian and, and Hudson who have broken up. Hudson was the breaker up. And Kian is uh, feeling a kind of a lot of ways about it. He was really hurt by the breakup. And so when Hudson sort of waltzes back into his life and needs a favor, Hudson is from a very, very wealthy family. His name is Hudson Rivers. He's like <laughs> kind of named after the river. <laughs> and it's like his family is this, um, has this massive like brewing empire and like all of like brewing like a brewery empire and all of this stuff. Like they have ridiculous amounts of money there is one scene where forty thousand dollars are spent on clothes uh which forty thousand dollars is a down payment to like three houses in some markets uh anyway and it's and hudson needs a favor because for a variety of reasons that i think probably will reveal themselves as i get further along his parents are either impressed by Kian or are just excited about Hudson being in a good relationship. Either way, they don't know that they've broken up. And so mm-hmm. Hudson has to ask Kian to pretend to be his boyfriend again. There's a dinner. And then all of a sudden, they have to go to a wedding in Georgia and things uh, kind of kind of take off from there. And it's a it's a book that I've been reading over the course of the last week or so. I'm reading it kind of slowly, not because the book is slow, but because it's fun to read. I kind of have a lot going on right now, but it's kind of nice to have a book that I am very happy to pick up at any time. Mm-hmm. But I can also set down and know that I will be happy to pick it up again, right? I think mm. sometimes it can be hard to find a book that... Sometimes I'm afraid to put a book down because I'm afraid I'm never going to pick it back up. This Mm -hmm. is not one of those. And this is also not a book that I feel like I can't kind of stretch out a little bit, right? This is not a kind of quick, like, box of milk duds sort of book where you just, like, eat it all at once and then never think about it again. I don't think that's this. I think this is a book that I really like all of the characters. At least, I think they're all interesting. When I first started it, I kind of thought, boy, Hudson has a lot of work to do because... (laughs) He is coming off not great. And now I'm like, oh, Keon, what are you doing? I'm not sure about this. So I actually kind of appreciate the fact that where my life is right now is not necessarily allowing me to to go too quickly through it. Because sometimes I can go too quickly through a book. So mm-hmm. like I said, I'm not all the way through it yet. But I'm very confident that it's one that I will, by the time I'm done, be, be very excited about it. Because I'm very excited about it now. And again, that's I'm So Not Over You by Kasoko Jackson. I will keep you all posted and let you know how it goes. But uh, but so far, so good. And I, I really am glad to have had an opportunity to read something beyond just the future award-winning uh, <laughs> essay in Black Love Matters that I'm sure will be coming. So, um, so yeah. So I don't know. I think it's fun. To, like I said, let's, let us know what you guys are reading. What, let us know what books you're excited about, what new authors 
you've been able to stumble across or what new authors you're you're tackling over the course of the next month or so. Yes, and we are excited to pick up a very different kind of book for book club and you have a, a while to read it. So yes, you send do. us your As do send we. us your thoughts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> send us your thoughts, uh feelings, questions, answers, anything. Yeah. That that you have to throw at us about that. Or if you're, if for whatever reason, you're sitting this one out, right? Like if erotic romance is not for you, I think we'd be interested in that too. Yeah. I mean, it's not, we won't necessarily do anything differently because it is for a lot of people, but I am, I'm always curious if people are reading or not reading anything that we're talking about for a, for a particular reason. Mm-hmm. And you can do that as always by sending a note to our email as Many people did, which you just experienced earlier in this episode, <laughs> when in romance at bookriot.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. I'm trying to be better about Twitter, also at Trisha Haley Brown, but I can't make any promises yet. A lot of life <laughs> transitions. Give me a month. We'll see where I am. But yes, certainly let me know there. Jess, where are you? I am always on Twitter at Jess is reading all one word. I apparently live there now. I don't know. You spend a lot of time on BookTok, I think, too. Yes, Possibly you Bookstagram. You can find me on Instagram where I take very badly lit photos of books on occasion at Jess underscore is underscore reading. And yes, you are free to follow me on the talk where I am at Jess underscore is reading uh, because someone had taken both of the other two. Um, So yeah, (laughs) I'll see you on all the socials because apparently I live there. I mean, you know, there are worse places to live. True. I am actually living in a new place. This is my first time uh, ever spending a night in this apartment, which is bad news for our audio editor, Jen Zink. You almost certainly heard the three different trains that went through the apartment um, while I was recording. But if you didn't, it is a huge credit to our audio editor, Jen Zink, who is both a wildly talented audio editor and also a wonderfully human being. So thank you, as always, to Jen. Please, please, please do rate and review the podcast. We love, love, love hearing from all of you. But if you don't mind doing a quick rating and review, it does help other people find it. And I, don't, I think that's I'm 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 out of practice. I've been gone for a week. Is that the end of our end of our end of our show, Jess? I, I think that is all we have left to say is happy reading. Happy reading, everybody. Mm-hmm.